Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reed. All this travel and plane and priorities been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great thighs. It's the Net Live right now. Welcome to the Net Live. Just let the applause play sometimes. Just let it go. You gotta let it let it breathe, Jeremy. That's what you have to do. You have to let it breathe. It's when the producer's in your ear yelling, lay out, lay out, lay out, be quiet. You're just sitting there trying to let the show, trying to let the, the event live for itself instead of making it all self-booyah time. Is it difficult when they're actually yelling in your ear? Because I don't know if I could do that, talk and have somebody yell at me at the same time in one of my ears. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I, I'm endeavoring to get better at it. Just ask high school football on Fridays. Sometimes I get it out. Sometimes I don't. But we will get it out today here on the Net Live. Kevin Barnett sitting in the home court along with the aforementioned DJ Roche, who is rocking a full mohawk today. No more faux hawk. He has taken it to another level. I think maybe because he's hoping for the rose ceremony to go his way today. He had to go full mohawk Please. in the hopes that that would happen. I'm not concerned about any of that, to be honest with you. Preview of our show today. A couple of volleyball things happening this past week, one of which is just college volleyball, some upsets, some perhaps uh, new enforcement in the world of college volleyball. Maybe a certain coach you've heard of, maybe a guy you've heard from on this program with a big win. We'll talk about that in the College Volleyball Weekly. We'll have Rosenthal and Sondheimer joining us. Also, AVP Santa Barbara, second AVP event of the year. This was the selection event. DJ Rouché was present and accounted for during the rainstorm on Thursday in Santa Barbara. Yeah, luckily I wasn't outside for that. I was in my hotel room and I heard some noise that sounded like rain and looked outside and it was legitimately raining. Yeah, weird. Weird for here for sure. So we'll have a little chatter about those two events as well as everything else happening around the world of sport and volleyball. And we have a couple of great guests coming on the show today. We're glad you've tuned in. You will be glad you have tuned in to hear from these two people. We have the owner of the NVL, Albert Hanneman. So last week it was Donald Sun, new owner of the AVP. This week it is the owner of the NVL, Albert Hanneman, on the program. He will talk about his upcoming Las Vegas event. We'll get on him about, hey, how is this all working? There's 62 tours, there's 42 players, and there's only 10 weekends through the summer. So how is that all working out for you? We're going to ask him when it turns from uh, co-opetition to just plain competition. We'll ask him that question and also get more about the business model and course of the NBL. Then we have Jen Kessie. 
You're welcome. Yes. Jane Kessie will finally grace the airwaves of the Net Live. She's been on before. Again. Yes. We had the the issue before. And we have her and April together. I always thought we did, but maybe we just had Jen. No, April had... told me that she had not been on. Correct. When April was on a few weeks ago, that was her first time. Right. But we had Jen yep. a while back. Yeah. And we had a little bit of that conversation. You quizzed her about whether or not she likes you better than me. We all know the answer to that. Hey, she's into little people. It's okay if you like hobbits. I understand. I mean, you're tall, but you like hobbits. Just refer to me as a little person. So Olympic silver medalist Jen Kessie will join us here on the program to talk about the Olympics, mm-hmm. her future, mm-hmm. participation in the last couple of AVP events, and DJ Rochet's new haircut. I apologize for my voice. What were you doing? You, you actually you have water now. I do. I've been trying to get it better. Yeah. Did you rage? Did you have a good weekend? It had nothing necessarily to do with raging. It was um, the DJ area corral, kids corner, petting zoo where I was um, for the AVP event this weekend. Was actually on the sand about mm, fifteen feet away from the court. There was um, a petting zoo. Well, we had a white picket fence around us, so we referred to ourselves as that. <laughs> um. Santa Barbara was a little dusty with the sand, so they kicked it up, and I can feel it in my chest a little bit, and then I DJed at Sharky's Saturday evening with a fog machine right above my head, so all that stuff was not conducive to me having a decent voice this morning. Yeah, the fog machine. That's kind of weird. That's like like getting the model train and just sucking off the engine. Like That's, that's not a good idea. It created, I mean, you know, it adds atmosphere to the lights and stuff like that, but... It's not helping my chest right now. I'll tell you that. Makes you sound like Kathleen Turner. So you DJed all day in Santa Barbara and drove all the way down here Saturday night? Negative. And back up there? Negative. I DJed at Sharky's in Santa Barbara Saturday Ah, night. just checking. Wasn't yes. where the Sharky's had a Santa Barbara location. They're uh, Hermosa, Manhattan, Santa Barbara, Huntington Beach. Okay. So it's going all right for Sharky's. Yeah, they're doing pretty good. Yeah, they're doing okay. Yeah. So I'll DJ the event all day Saturday Sharky's Saturday night, back to the event Sunday morning. So you're taking the week off? I wish. I leave for Vegas Thursday morning. Oh, well, that's that's your that's your jam right there. True. That's you putting on the helmet and going around the uh, the arena, the ring. <laughs> it's my swan song. Yeah, we all know you never put a helmet on. Yeah, you're not messing up the hair. No. But if there was a jam and you had to touch the top of your hat, it would be after you were done in Vegas. Yes. Okay. Hey, we have McGee. Nope. Better text him. Tell him to call in. He teased you, said he was going to call in at 10 o'clock. I'm tired of that whole act. I'm tired. He's sitting in his cubicle right now. Just be honest with us. Doing paperwork. Say you're never coming back to the show, and that's fine. I mean, just say, you know, hey, guys, um, I loved it. It was fun. And real. But Worthy and Johnson are a lot more fun than Roche and Barnett. Just say it. I'm okay with it. Oh, I understand my place in the in the sporting world. I understand that we're volleyball. And that McGee is not now. I get it. I get it. Maybe we need to, you know, have Romo join the show. You know what? Romo would be here in a heartbeat. He would fly in Sunday night, do the show Monday morning, and fly back right after the show. Now, yeah, moving on. So, first weekend of NFL this past week. And I know, hey, volleyball people, there's other stuff going on. Yeah, I didn't see I'm it. a football fan. The lick of football this weekend. I just saw the end because I was out at Elsinore on Saturday. We'll get to that in a second. And that is, let's see, uh, eight, minutes, eight minutes. Eight minutes. Eight minutes. 
motocross. <laughs> That's right. I was out at the final motocross event of the year on Saturday. And I want to talk about it because, not because you guys are interested in motocross, but because, look, I go to some warm places. I'm not afraid of heat. I'll go out and ride even when it's mid-90s, upper-90s, no problem. But, man, it was 105 at least in Elsinore where I was for this event. And I feel like people are like, oh, it's a dry heat. But I feel like it's been a little humid this this weekend, yeah. And I was frying, absolutely frying, to the point where I left halfway through the event because I was not going to stay outside for more, like three or four more hours and then try and get out of traffic. And notice that you don't look any tanner. Hey, sunscreen is my friend, but Apparently. <laughs> skin cancer, not my friend. Sunscreen, no. yes. So you can still get some sun. Hey, and I was outside all day yesterday, too, for flag football, seven hours out of the field. Nope, that's uh, still eight, not nine minutes in the show, flag football reference. Well, I'm, I'm hitting all my points today. I'm dominating. on point. I am, I'm hitting them all. We're losing listeners. We're losing chat room people. It's just... People are tuning out. <laughs> it's okay. It's my show. I don't even care anymore, people. Nope. I'm moving on. No doubt. I do high school football and uh, Pac-12 volleyball now, so you all can just uh, head on out. It's okay. <laughs> Go back to being trolls, as you were. Yes. Every single one of you, as <laughs> apparently you all think we call you. As you were with pink hair. No, but I bring up the heat, and I, and I wanted to bring it back to volleyball because, okay, you're not going to play in 105-degree heat under normal circumstances. Correct. Has it happened? Has it happened in an Arizona event? What's the highest oh, yeah. temperature, Jeremy, that you've been at an event? I, and I'm talking air temperature before we get to talking about the temperature of the sand. The highest I remember it actually like talking about it was like 95 in Tempe one year. I'm sure it got hotter than that, but that's the temperature I remember it being probably at like 9 o'clock in the morning when I woke up. Um, we were in Alabama one year and, uh, the main court was inside the baseball stadium and okay. some of the outer courts were outside, like on the blacktop concrete. Oh man. Some players would talk about that one too. That one was cause it was hot and humid and there was where I was and I was on a stage high up in the air on the infield. No yeah. breeze. Wasn't, I wasn't moving and just dripping sweat. Yeah. Not cool. No, it's not cool. On the chat board, what's the highest temperature you guys have played in? What's the the memory that sticks out for you in an event you've played in? An A, a grass tournament, a B, I don't know if they hold C's, but whatever. What event did, sticks out there for you guys? Throw something up there. We'll uh, we'll mention it if it's good. But what what do the players do to cope with that kind of heat? Because we're talking about guys that, hey, they play every day in the sand. Feet are pretty tough, calloused up, used to a fair amount of heat coming through the soles. But when it's really hot, when it's really hot, even beyond their ability to deal with it, sand socks, you said you saw Furbringer wear them once. I think he was wearing them this weekend, too. I think he had there's okay. an issue with one of his feet is why he's wearing them. Okay. Not because he's a wuss. He's got a cut or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Stepped on a piece of glass. Probably. Um, yeah, like I said, the only time I've seen guys really consistently wear sand socks were when we were in um, Tahoe and it was snowing. Okay. I've never seen for the opposite it. reason. Yes, I've never seen it. Uh, maybe on the outer courts, but on center court, like they hose it, they'll hose it down between matches like that. And I've seen people, you know, dig their feet in and things like that. But I've never seen them say the sand is just way too hot. What else are they doing to deal with the heat? You're just talking standard stuff, hydration. Are you you got any yeah. other interesting coping strategies? I've seen people just, you know, stick their head in the ice bucket in the players' box. Um, I've seen putting ice in certain areas where you're not going to use that ice after that. <laughs> not going in your drink? No, it's not going in your drink at all. But I've never seen anything like out of the ordinary. Just hydrating, doing the best you can. 
I don't know what you do. Stay in the shade. Yeah, because it's torturous, even with today's events. And I know the old school guys are going, well, we used to play seven times in a day. Yes, you did. Uh, but they don't now. So even with reduced numbers of matches, it still is an incredible challenge. Yeah, I um, when it's so hot that I'm sweating and I'm not moving, and I'm in the shade. Yeah. I can't imagine, A, how hot it is on the court, B, how hot the sand is. Right. Because even on a weekend like this in Santa Barbara, it was a nice weekend, probably mid-70s. Sand gets hot. It wasn't a lot of breeze. Sun was just beating down on it. I'm sure the sand gets hot even then, and that's... Those aren't extreme temperatures. I think of like Atlanta, where in the summer times it's 100 and 100% humidity, or 96 and 96. That's that's some heat. And Elsinore was pushing out a little bit. 105 with humidity. It's toasty. Was a little brutal. Imagine being completely geared up to ride and having to ride 30 minutes plus two laps. They're not wearing boardies or bikinis while they're riding? Not if you're smart. There are some bikinis around. They're not really on the riders. Gotcha. Well... Not yet. There's some WMX riders, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, we were in Sacramento one year on a like in a parking lot, and it was, I think somebody took the temperature of the uh, blacktop. It was like 120. Oh. Yeah, you could see the heat just radiating off of the ground. Like people's shoes were melting walking around the site. Really? It was brutal. That's hot. Yeah, it was toasty. Second time, not afraid to be hot. It was toasty. Goodness. All right, this was the opening week of NFL. Big weekend for most of the sporting world. I saw your Eagles pull it out oh, the end. 17-16 against the Browns? The Browns? Michael Vick threw 36 interceptions, I heard. Yeah, I think that was it. I think they had him throw 54 times. Ugh. Hit four picks, and I just saw him. I just saw the highlights. They were terrible, too. It wasn't even close. His interceptions were? Yeah. No. Throwing a double coverage, throw, overthrowing a guy who was wide open. It just... And and not overthrowing him from 30 yards, overthrowing him from 10 yards away. Like, Vic, what's going on? But he was scrambling quite a bit. Now, I did not see the game, but he was scrambling quite a bit. Offensive line, not uh, protecting him like they should be. That was the theory last year. We have a scrambling quarterback, so why block? No doubt. Yeah, I didn't see much NFL this weekend, obviously, because I, I saw some highlights. saw Peyton Manning won. He was, he was looking good last night. RG3 won. RG3 looked amazing. Yep. Yeah, Peyton Manning last night I had a chance to tune in after I got back from coaching and hanging out all afternoon and outside. And then uh had a chance to watch Manning pick apart the Steelers. And that's good defense too, by the way. Yeah, and the Steelers, they had the ball from five minutes remaining in the second quarter until five minutes remaining in the third quarter, just about or maybe it was six minutes remaining in the third quarter. Peyton Manning comes on the field, has the ball, two plays, 80 yards, 35 seconds. Defense is right back out there. Yeah, that's the thing. The defense like, oh, that's great, but Peyton, we need a little bit more of a rest. Remind me of the old Colts days where they would have time of possession like 12 minutes and have 35 points. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> the defense is going, uh, can we get some oxygen here, please? Well, Peyton's got some weapons, and he's got a decent running game. He had, didn't always have a decent running game in Indianapolis. And he understands the game in a way that no. other quarterbacks just don't, and even other veteran quarterbacks just don't. Well, he's like a coach on the field, like Drew Brees. It's like... He's a coach on the field. You don't really even need to say anything. Yeah, he's checking down. He's calling the play. He comes and he changes the play. He, it's amazing to watch him really be. And they always say, oh, they're field generals. Well, they've been sort of doing what the field general tells them. I mean, if you could talk about the actual position of field general, that yeah. would be the coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In this case, Peyton Manning is actually that guy. 
it's amazing to watch him understand the game that way and call the game that way. And I was thinking about volleyball and thinking, I can't come up with a guy who understood the game on the same level as Manning. Even Loy, even Loy Ball, setter for the national team for 16 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the same kind of control. And maybe it's just the game because you can you control volleyball as much as you can control football? Is it that obvious? I think it's, I think it's the quarterback you a little bit more control, obviously. Of calling plays. You yeah. have more time. Like, you can stall. I mean, Manning yesterday using the entire clock, the entire play clock. Well, Loy has to wait for the pass to come to him, too. It's not like... It's not like a snap where you're you're guaranteed to get it, basically. Yeah, yep. A little bit more control quarterback-wise that way. I think Loy's probably the closest that I can think of. On the women's side of the game, we just haven't had a setter uh, of, of stability of that amount of time. Lindsey Berg on the program last week. Lots of experience, but not to that level. And, and it's not always required either. I don't know if this is a good comparison, but setters always get compared to quarterbacks. They're, when someone's explaining volleyball, they're in charge. they always say, oh, the setter, well, he's like the quarterback. That's always the line. Well, as a defender, though, somebody's back there taking charge, too, so it's not necessarily one person who's running the show. Right? Doesn't Libero take charge back there? Yeah, Libero's in charge of reception. Yeah. But obviously, Sitter's running the offense, sees what the other team's doing defensively, can make the call where the set's going. Or should see what the other team is yes. doing. Yes. But again, the pass needs to come to the setter. So it's not like somebody's just handing the setter the ball and saying, here you go. Text from our friend Brandon Rosenthal, who will be appearing later on CBW. Volleyball is a reactive sport, not the same. You can't control the game. You know who would weigh in on this. And he also says Philly sucks, but I, I don't know what that's all about. He was at a Titans game yesterday where I think the Titans got destroyed. Do the Titans still play football? Uh, not really. In name only, perhaps. Um, we have somebody on the phone, on the line. Really? Yep. Huh. I think Maybe you know. he has some thoughts. I think you know. Maybe he's been listening. Yeah, that was a long 10 minutes to be on hold while you talked football. Jeez. I didn't see you on there. Might shoot me a text next time. Hey, you're only a baseball guy anyway. What do you know about football, anyhow? Oh, my God. Believe me, believe me the joy when I finally hear you talking about something else besides indoor national team volleyball and motocross. It was a great thing for this show, I believe. It really, really just shows how you've grown up as a broadcaster. It was eight minutes till we hit motocross, but we brought it back around to volleyball. And we've been talking beach for like two weeks here, so we kind of missed you on that one, buddy. I know, I know. I uh, I have a friend that listens to the show, said I was getting heckled, uh, so I had to step outside my meeting and, and, and give you guys a quick little ring. Uh, I, I figured you were just calling me to say happy birthday, maybe. Is today your birthday? Yeah, 41, guys. One, Mr. Geeter. 41. Not not the same party. You know, I listen to yeah. Kelly James around here all the time. I got him pumping only yeah, because... Kelly James rules. But 41, no Kelly James appearance, just you and the and the girls and a little bit of a high five and then back to sleep so you could get ready for your Lakers. Yeah, not a lot of fanfare, really. Uh, didn't really care much about it. Uh, woke up. Uh, my wife, fantastic kids. Uh, they were great. Made me a coffee. I went for a little run, actually. 
took my daughter to school and uh, came right here to work. I think later I'm um, going to play a little volleyball and get some Mexican food with some friends and uh, watch uh, really all I wanted. And I told my wife this was to watch the Charger game. That's it. And I just want to watch the whole game, like, on the couch. And uh, I, I think that's going to be my present. Nice. I get yeah. at least one bomb from the kids. While you're sitting on the couch, not really looking, someone's going to jump on you. There's no question about that. And that's expected. And I'm fine with that. So we were just talking about the idea, this comparison that always gets made between the quarterback. You know, somebody's explaining volleyball to somebody who knows not much about it. Okay, here's the setter. It's a lot like deal or no deal. Okay, that's the banker. It's always like that. You go, okay, that's the setter. That's like the... If it is, has anyone ever way that Peyton Manning controls football. Well, I definitely know the comparisons. I've used it myself both on the air and, and when I'm coaching. I also use the point guard reference as well because I think it's the one position in volleyball where you can control the pace of the game and, and, and how you set up certain attackers, looking at how teams defend you and how they block you. I mean, that's your job as a setter, uh, you know, to set things up as the match goes on. You know, um, so I definitely have used that comparison a lot. Funny thing is, I, I, when you when I was listening to you talk, the one guy, and I know you're going to get upset about this, Barney, but the one guy that I always thought controlled it Peyton Manning-like uh, in the beach game was Karch. I always thought he was so good at, at controlling the pace of the game and knowing when to speed things up and when to slow things down and, and really being a thinker out there and really setting people up and learning as the match goes on. And that's what was so great about Peyton Manning last night. I even tweeted, it was just so good to have back. Whether you're a Peyton Manning fan or you hate the Broncos or whatever, I mean, he's so great in those situations uh, where he called that pick play real quick and threw that out to Tammy for that touchdown. I I just think that's what's so great about having him back. I mean, he just controls the game, the clock, the defense, uh, you know, as well as anyone that's ever played that sport. So, I heard you say Lloyd Ball. Uh, you never really saw that out of him. I mean, maybe towards the end of his career, he's probably the closest thing we've had to that. Stork, obviously. Uh, I always heard Dusty Dvorak was, was – they always called him a great quarterback. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, was, was great at running the offense and setting things up. But I think in my time and guys that I played with, I, I, you know, Matt Unger was a great leader and a great quarterback, uh, was great at setting people up and, and learning as the match went on. But – but I think I think Canyon and Seeley, I think those guys in my time were probably the two best, without a question. I mean, I, I don't know if you put them in Peyton Manning's league, or uh, because I, I think he's a you know true Hall of Famer. But uh, you know, th- those are some of the names that pop out at me as setters. So maybe it's not just about the comparing the actions. Maybe the actions aren't comparable because the game is so much different. But maybe it's the leadership that can come from that position. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, Peyton Manning is what thirty. Five, thirty-six years old now, so he's, you know, he's not going to have the same effect athleticism-wise, you know, that he maybe had. Maybe his arm's not as strong. He took a year off, had the neck problems and the back problems, but he can still be a great mind out there and a great leader. And just the way guys, I, I, I could tell last night, just the way he commands that huddle and the way guys are looking at him at the end of the game. It's just a certain level of respect, and that goes into being a quarterback. It's the more, it's the way you. You handle your huddle, your guys, put guys in the right position to be successful. And that's what makes a great setter in volleyball. I mean, remember, you know, you're going to have big sticks 
off your squad and you're going to have guys that are out there to, to maybe pass the rock and, 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 and not take too many swings, but you have to, as a setter, put them in a position to be successful, meaning get them one-on-one maybe instead of, you know, get them in a, a, a three-person-up block situation. So I, I think that that's why quarterback and setters are used, you know, in, in the same sentence a lot because they really have the same kind of characteristics when it comes to leadership, that coach on the floor, dictating the pace of the game, that kind of stuff. Would you put Tom Rogers in that category? About that. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's funny when, when Barney was talking so eloquently before about football, I was so excited. But I, I was thinking Todd. You know, Todd's a guy that he's unbelievable, I think, at controlling the pace. And almost, I, I, I know Barney and I have talked about this on the year. It's like you're almost putting guys to sleep, you know. He just, the way he walks and shuffles the sand in front, looks at the ref, puts his hand up, then he's ready to pass. He just does it on his terms, his pace. And, and his speed, and I think that's what has made Todd so great. And, and let's be honest, I mean, Todd is, was really the guy that coached Phil when they first got together. I mean, eventually Phil became his own man and his own player, but, you know, Todd was, was responsible for really Phil's growth a lot. Of course. They did not make the final in the Santa Barbara event, and there was rumors that this could be their last, uh, last Phil and Todd partnership event of the year. You know, I, I've heard some things from some other people um, off the record that I, I know they're just kind of at the end of the road, not so much with each other, but just with beach volleyball. I mean, I'm sure, you know, the, what it takes to get to the Olympics and then actually perform in the Olympics and, and you know, the struggles of the domestic tours. I, I'm sure Phil going through some health things himself. I'm sure they're just ready for a break. I think Phil probably needs to get re-energized. Uh, I think he needs to get away from the game for a couple months, get healthy, enjoy marriage, and then reevaluate where he wants to be and what kind of player he wants to be. And if he wants to continue to dominate the world, who he's going to do it with. I think we all know Todd is, 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 is at the end in terms of international travel. But, you know, Todd Rogers, if he wants, he's still such a good athlete and such a good player that he could play domestically. I think if there's a strong domestic tour, we can take Todd out there a little bit. But he also might be a guy that's been away from his family for the last eight or nine years traveling so much. So maybe Todd wants to wants to start something new. You know, Todd's a guy that's got a lot of different things that he enjoys in his life, and uh, he's, he's going to be a great coach if he ever decides to do that. And um, yeah, It's not so much I think they're sick of each other. I think it's just time has come for it to end. Yeah, there's definitely uh, some rumblings about that this weekend. Um, and Mayor Keenan... Shoot, man, I'm having a real hard time hearing you guys. I don't know if it's me cutting out. Us. Okay. When we have a phone guest, the phone guests aren't hearing very well. I don't know what the heck is going on. Maybe it's that, oh, you guys got me now? Maybe it's that 98 computer that you have. In front of you. Yep, we got you, Geeter. We can hear you. <laughs> hey, I, uh, well, i got to head back in, but I uh, just wanted to check in and say hello, and uh, I knew you guys were doing a great job, and soon i will i I will be there i promise and uh we're just you know we're launching this network here in a few weeks so it's it's a little hectic with the schedule hey uh just you know keep uh keep reading those dilbert cartoons man make you (laughs) will do all right later brothers time Warner's own chris mcgee checking in as he headed into the office always good to hear from uh, mr lakers yes he is going to be so excited once he starts really getting into it. 
There's going to be an adjustment period for him. You, you can hear it already. He's talked about it as far as the office work goes and those kinds of things. But there'll be a whole adjustment period for him trying to host a new show and craft the new network and the identity and what it means to be on Geeter's pre- and post-Lakers show. I'm sorry, Chris McGee's pre- and post-Lakers show, because that's what it's going to be. That's the new title. Well, that's what it has to be. I agree. That's what it has to be. We've reached the end of the segment number one for the Net Live. We have lots more to come. We'll talk uh, AVP Santa Barbara. We'll talk about the scene there and how it all went. DJ Roche was there, of course. We'll have the College of Volleyball Weekly with Brandon Rosenthal and Mike Sondheimer. Rosenthal detailing that he is a Steelers fan. I don't think that's any better than being a Titans fan this last week, my man. Albert Hanneman will be joining us. Talk about the NVL and his upcoming Las Vegas event. And up next, Olympic silver medalist Jen Kessie is going to call in. She's not going to be here in, in-house. You couldn't get her to come. She to the home court. She's traveling at the moment, so she's calling from another state. You're okay. welcome. Uh, but she did tweet that she's bummed that she couldn't be here to give you a high fiver in person. <laughs> the net live on a Monday. We're right back. You don't have to find the best college coaches they find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks. Athletic development with Michael Johnson performance and educational options, all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute, postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off, it's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at spireinstitute.org.
back into the net live we hope you are interacting with us during the week getting this podcast that is provided free of charge and we are on the blog talk radio link now in itunes if you search volleyball or if you search the net live you will come across 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 a little extra tea there uh come across the net live blog talk radio link you can also email us the net live at gmail.com and of course twitter and facebook Either one of those slash the net live, and I'm starting to get on Twitter a little more. People want me to be on Twitter, and I guess that's where all the action is. Who are those people? Well, there's football people that want me tweeting about high school football and volleyball people who are going at Kev Barn 14 about not bringing in coconut water for this week. Jeremy, that was uh, I saw Brooke. She yeah. had it. Uh huh. I didn't have a chance to get it from her, but apparently she lives close by, so I'll get it. So wait, let me shorten that what you just said into <laughs> it's your fault. Yes, we I'll, don't have coconut yes, water I will, this morning. I will take the blame. Yep. All right, Zico not getting pressed because of Jeremy. Sorry, guys. Brooke, do something about Jeremy, please. <laughs> fix it. We have our first guest today's show, and we're excited she's here. Love this song. It's a good song. She's an MVP swimmer. Figure that out. Back in high school, MVP of her swim team. Went on to star in volleyball at USC from 1995 to 1998. She's a cover girl model, played with some of the legends, Barbara Fontana, Holly McPeak, and of course her partnership with April Ross is now part of volleyball history. With that silver medal finish this past month in London, please welcome to the Net Live once again, Jen Cassie. Jen! Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on. We understand you're traveling. Where are you on your way to? Well, I'm actually, I just arrived. I'm in Maine. I flew into Boston last night on a red eye after Santa Barbara. I'm here. Oh, breaking up. Hang on. Can you hear me? There, now we got you. I just missed the end of it. You said you flew into Boston on a red eye, and you're going to Maine for what? My boyfriend's family lives in Maine. A lot of family that lives here, so we're vacationing. Oh, vacation. Uh, you probably don't even remember what that was after this incredibly busy summer that you've had, uh, of course, with uh, the lead-up to the Olympics and then the Olympic Games. And I, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the Olympic Games and just about the atmosphere of the city. I've been through quite a few Olympics. I thought the atmosphere was one of a kind and a lot of fun. What was it like from your perspective as a beach volleyball athlete? You know, I've never been to any Olympics, so this is my first experience. I did go to the test event um, in 2011 in London, and, it, you know, I thought that was really cool, but uh, it was nothing compared to the energy and the liveliness of London when we were there for the Olympics. Um, I, I, when I, you know, got off the plane, I couldn't believe the amount of people and the amount of support and the amount of just everything that was there, Um I was just I was shocked in how big it was. So 
um, I, I had a blast, and it was uh, I was really impressed. How was the atmosphere in the village? Did you guys stay in the village, or did you have alternative accommodations? Well, you know, we stayed in the village for the first four days. Um, and, yeah, just being in the cafeteria is a joke. I mean, I've never seen a bigger cafeteria in my life. And then you have athletes from all over the place trading pins with you, sitting with you at breakfast, and just chatting with you, and everyone's there to perform, and it was it's a really cool atmosphere. And, you know, I wish, wish it would have had a little air conditioning, but um, other than that, I think the, the Olympic Village was great. Beach volleyball, of course, held at the Horse Guards Parade, and I thought one of the more iconic venues that I've seen at an Olympic Games. Was that a good venue for you guys? We're talking lights, sand, sound, the weather, of course, one day of heavy rain, but otherwise seemed to be okay. I mean, besides that one day of rain, which we're pretty used to from traveling in Europe, I thought it was perfect. I mean, I the sand was deep, but we knew it was going to be deep from the year before. They had told us, and we got to play on it a little bit, but it was deeper than I can even I even remembered how deep it was. Um, but I, I think we were prepared for that. I thought the lights were fine. I thought everything was so great, and the, I mean the crowd was it was a joke. I couldn't believe it. Every single night, having fifteen thousand people chanting for you or against you, it was just one of the most incredible things I've ever done. Did you guys notice what we noticed at the indoor venue, all the costumes and crazy outfits that people were wearing, which apparently is unique to volleyball, both indoor and beach. It doesn't really happen in other events. Well, I noticed my friends dressing up, so I knew that they were dressing up and painting faces and wearing weird stuff, so I I guess everyone else was doing it, but I got to see them before and after the matches sometimes looking weird. I also wanted to ask you about managing the scene. You said it's your first Olympic Games, always a unique experience in trying to manage your athletic experience along with a lot of the demands for your time. You and April, pretty high profile entering the Olympic Games. I saw a lot of CoverGirl stuff. I saw appearances here and there uh, via social media. How did you manage that along with the demands of family and friends and their needs and and their desire to see you in, in addition to, oh, by the way, having to go and play to a level to get into the gold medal match? <laughs> Good question. You know, the first couple days, uh, the first week, we weren't competing. Um, we were practicing. But it felt like we had a 12-hour schedule every single day. Um, it was crazy. Um, so we really just tried to make sure that we practice scheduled, our gym time scheduled, our food scheduled, and that if you add on to that, added on to that. We usually added one or two media things a day. Um, and then when we started competing, we moved closer to Horse Guards Parade, which made it a lot easier. Um, and the travel was a lot less. And then, you know, we played every other day, and it honestly didn't seem like enough time off. It's crazy when you think about the fact that sometimes you could play five matches in a day, you know, at home. You play one match every other day. It's just the 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 amount of media, the amount of people that I see, the amount of travel time, everything came. needed that day to just be able to go do laundry or just do something small. So um, we managed our time pretty well. Um, we had to say no a lot, which was hard, um, but it definitely turned out in our favor. Who managed that social schedule for you? Who was the, the person being the intermediary for the Today Show or for CoverGirl or for whomever else? was having demands on your time. Is that going directly through you guys? 
Well, we have an agent um, with Wasserman, um, Lindsay Kigawa Colas, and we also had Al Lau and, and JP um, working at um, So any really big media requests would be going through them and then through our agent and then through us. Um, some of them, like we did an SC thing, um, one of the first couple nights that we were there, just an alumni club wanted us to come speak, and that was all through us, and we decided to do it, and, you know, it was, uh, we were happy to do it. But it definitely, most of the media goes through um, our other agents. What surprised you most about the experience off the court? Um, you know, I actually thought there were going to be a million party invites and, you know, all this crazy raging at the village, and, I, you know, what? I didn't see any of it. I was surprised. We got, you know, we got maybe I knew about one party. Um, otherwise, we would have had to go search them out. I knew they were there. But I just thought, you know, after you win a medal, everybody's going to want you to come to their party. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. So um, luckily, you know, we, we found some. But uh, I just thought it would be all over the place. And it yeah, you have to be in the village during week two. After the swimmers are finished, then they pretty well. <laughs> I have heard that, yes, and I, I don't think I would uh, really like that so much at my age. Jen Ruscha here. It's nice to see you this weekend in Santa Barbara. I would say good seeing you, too. been all smoky like that, Ruscha. This, this is my voice. Happened after the... <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> uh, changed you since you've been back from the Olympics. I'm sorry, could you say that again? Yeah, how have things changed for you since you've been back from the Olympics? Well, my bag is heavier because I have my medal with me constantly, um, so that makes it a little heavier. But, um, you know, I do get recognized, um, especially in beach towns and um, places that, you know, are have a good volleyball influence. And people, I mean, people want to come up to me and talk to me about the Brazil match. I mean, really, that's the match that they want to talk about, um, which is awesome. And I, I love everybody's... Uh, you know, interpretation of the game and how intense they felt. And um, other than that, I mean, I think my friends think I'm just as lame as I was before. You know, nothing, nothing's really changed. My family members aren't treating me any differently. So nothing really. Um, just, you know, have the medal in my pocket and get to talk about it. I like that. I'll have to uh, get a photo with you and the medal this weekend in Vegas. Huh. I Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, speaking of Brazil, what was your interpretation of that uh, match? <laughs> wasn't looking too good for us in the beginning. Um, they had beaten us nine times in a row. Um, and, you know, it was just something switched. Uh, you know, when we called a timeout, I think it was at 8, 6, and second, we just kind of, uh, all right, well, this is it. It's do or not. We started just playing as hard as we could, and they started getting a little bit tentative. Making one mistake here, making a mistake here, and we just kind of, we capitalized on it. That's really what it was. And that happens a lot. I mean, it happens to us a lot when you're ahead in that second game. You start to get a little bit tentative because you think about the fact that you could win this game. Um, and I think that's probably what they did. And they were screaming and yelling at each other, you know, what they were saying. But um, So we just kind of capitalized on that and started just playing better and better and better. And, I mean, it was the most intense game I've ever played. And I've never been happier about a win in my entire life. How did you guys cope with that kind of intense situation when you don't have your coach? My understanding is your coach cannot be down there in Olympic competition, and that's different for you guys than other competition, correct? Uh, on the FIVB tour, he can never be in the box with us. 
Okay. So, um, so we're actually kind of used to him not being there. Um, and any domestic, he can have him with great. Um, he's definitely been used to not having him there. Um, we like to know where he sits in the stands just so, you know, sometimes you look up there and just to see a familiar face. Um, but, you know, there's 15,000 people who so have to spot him. Um, you know, we, we coped with it together. I mean, it really was um, one time, sometimes one of us will be freaking out and the other one's calm and the other one needs to talk the other person down. And it really was just a joint effort um, by April and I. But I really, really think we uh, we kept our cool a lot and uh, didn't panic. And I think that's why we won some of those games at the end. You're listening to Net Live here on Monday on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to Olympic silver medalist Jen Kessie. Jen, you mentioned earlier your age. At your age, I mean, 35 pro football <laughs> player is old. Real life, not so much. But you, as I look back through your history, you've played with some of the icons in the sport, Fontana, McPeak, and, and of course, written your own chapter with April. What have been some of the best attributes of some of your partners over the years? You know, I think playing with both Barb and Holly has made me a good setter. I mean, it's made me learn the form of setting really well because I think a lot of those times I was young and I was not going to get very many serves because all I did was hit the ball as hard as I could straight down. So they were getting a lot more serves, and I wasn't the best setter at first. So I had to learn the technique and bump setting really well. Um, and I think that's paid off for me, you know, now. Um and, you know, just, I think, the calmness of Barb and Holly and their, their no-panic attitude on the court, really. They're very – you're not going to see them sweating too often. So I think, you know, I think you can see me sweating a lot more than them, but uh, I, I try to take some of, take, take some of that with me. Um, and then, you know, just their knowledge of the game and the wind and all that stuff, I really – tried to pick up over the years and remember all that stuff from them. Jen, I heard you mention on the Today Show that you're thinking about playing one more year and that Rio is probably out. Have you in April talked about your guys' future, or are you just going to get through this season and go from there? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's tough. You, you win the silver medal, and then one minute later, no joke, one minute later they're saying, so uh, are you playing in Rio? You're like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, I just have this medal around my neck right now. It's crazy. But uh, I... You know, if it, the qualifying process stays the way it is overseas, um, which I do believe is the best process um, still. I know you guys probably don't agree with me. Um, but uh, I don't think that I will be wanting to do that. I don't think I want to travel internationally that much um, before a Rio Olympics. So if it were to change and I, maybe I was lucky enough to be able to do it in the United States, maybe maybe that's the case. We'll see. Um, but uh, definitely going to play the FIVB and all the AVPs and BLs and Cuervos I can next year. Um, and then I'm going to see from there. Uh, I'm just going to give a one-year plan, and we'll see if there's anyone else that can step into my shoes and play with April, and, and uh, we'll see. If yes. not, you know, Speaking of those shoes, what about the April carry rumor that's out there? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think both of them are fantastic players, um, left-side players. Uh, I know one of them is going to have to play the right side um, and would be a big change for, for one of them. I think they're both capable of doing it. I don't know what type of chemistry they have on the court, um, so that would also be another thing. 
So, you know, you know, the other, you know, all the variables that I don't know, but, uh, you know, on paper, I think they'd be fantastic. I like it. I want you to enjoy your silver medal, Jen. I don't care. Everybody Thank should you. Be what you're doing. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, I will <laughs> yeah, say this. That is a terrible thing. You win a championship and somebody goes, what well, is, what about next year? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, no joke. No about, joke. It was right after we won. We heard, you know, you heard the national anthem, and then you go right over there, and they're like, summer. All these, you know, I'm getting all these tweets, and it's like, you know, Ross Kessie for. Wow, we just played ten minutes ago. Like you've got to be kidding me. So, um, I've heard it from everybody. You didn't have. I mean, buttons all printed up that said Ross Kessie, 2016. <laughs> oh, did you get that tattoo already? Oh, we're in trouble. Hey, you mentioned earlier about traveling around to some of the beach towns and you getting recognized. Where, in your experience, have have the unusual beach scenes come about? Where you went to a place to play, or you were you just happened to be somewhere and you found a beach scene that was kind of unexpected? Is there is there some sneaky beach scenes out there? Sneaky beach scenes. Hmm. Well, let's see. Um. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer that right now. I know, I mean, obviously Chicago is one of my favorite, but that's not super sneaky. Um, but they do have so many beach volleyball courts down there um, that they play all the time, and they're pretty volleyball savvy. Um, I traveled. I don't know. I'm going to come back to that question. Okay. I don't know where Kevin was going with the underground secret volleyball uh <laughs> That. I'm not sure where he's going with that. It's like a stomp movie. We're going to have a volleyball movie about underground volleyball, like blue chips. They're playing in a barn somewhere in Alabama. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. Hey, how about all these tours that are out there? You said you're going to play as many as possible. Uh, is having so many tours a good thing for players, a bad thing for players, good thing for the sport, bad thing for the sport? You know, good question. I have no idea. I really don't. I know that having no tours is terrible for the sport. That's the one thing I do know. Um, I think that it they need to work together um, in some capacity, whether they have the same sponsors or not. They need to figure out their dates and work around each other. I don't think it's a bad thing to have, you know, uh, a Cuervo with four events and they're big and it's the Cuervo series, you know, and then you have, you know, the AVP having some and the MVL. I actually don't think that that's a bad thing. Um, if they all have a good amount of are good events. Um, I don't think that I know some people would think that you want to be better. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what's, Nothing has really worked in the past, so I maybe maybe having three might work. Maybe that will be better. We're going to have Albert Hanneman on here in just a little while, and I want you to, on his tour, give me the hot and not. One of those things you'd see in a, in a magazine, the good part and the part that needs work about his NVL tour. Okay. Um, I abs- The hot was in um, uh, the horse race. I can't even think of it. What was it? The... Uh, the Preakness, the center of the Preakness. That was absolutely awesome. Having it there was one of the coolest places that I've played volleyball. Really, it was great. Um, the knot was the first day of the tournament being in a very small, you know, area right by the harbor where not a lot of people are going. So if you make it to the next day, you're in the center of the Preakness. But the before 
of course, being in a very smaller lot, which I think is kind of like how Vegas is going to be also. So that's not always my favorite. All right, now let's get to the third rail of volleyball. Third rail of beach volleyball. I'm nervous. Trials. Yeah. Like the overseas qualification as it is now. Why is that better than another opportunity to be on TV and touch the American public in a meaningful manner before the Olympics with a trials thing, something they understand? Because we know they don't understand the, the previous part. They just don't get right. the whole so, so you're telling me that the trials is all about the American public. It's not about the athletes. It's kind of what I just got from you. Well, it's not entirely. I threw that out there as the reason. I think if you look at the men's side of the game, you would have had perhaps Sean and John beating out uh, one of the other teams that went for the United States, and maybe that would have turned out differently. Of course, we'll never know. They're matching up now after the Olympic Games, and it's all it's all fodder for this show, basically. <laughs> but right. And, well, have... if you also watch Sean and John, they went to Canada two years ago or a year ago to try, and they lost to a Kiwi team. They had to forfeit because they got, you know, they got off the plane or something happened and his, his hip hurt and then they lost to the Kiwi team who ended up not even making it on the world tour to get to the Olympics. So you really, it's a test of how you do against international teams. It's not how good you are with the Spalding or the Wilson at home. It's how good you are with the Mikasa against the other teams. And, you know, I, I just, I still, I still, unfortunately, don't think that it's the right thing, and it's going to breed as many medals as we've been getting. Um, but I think it's going to be more interesting for the TV. And if that's what you know we're interested in doing, then I guess that's going to you know accomplish that goal. Unfortunately, it might you know hinder some some very good uh, athletes. Is the ball that big a deal, and what are the differences in the balls? Because we've had discussion before about the different balls that are out there, and on the indoor side of the game, too, as you travel, you see different volleyballs and the different characteristics. What are the different characteristics of the international ball versus the domestic balls you're playing with? This international Lacosta ball, the recent ball, is the most difficult ball I've ever played with. It is honestly, I mean, it's so frustrating. Every off-season, I go back, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pass the ball. I could shank 15 in a row to start. Like, it is so frustrating. It has no rhyme or reason. You, you can't tell with the wind if it's going to drop or it's going to go high. It just really is not a beach volleyball, in my opinion, and it's really difficult to play with. But once you get used to it and it's the only ball you use, it's a little bit easier. It's still always hard to pass, always hard to pass. Um, you get back and then you play with the Wilson, which I think is the most pure beach volleyball, and it's a fantastic ball, and I love it. I'm not sponsored by them, by the way. So not yet. Un- unbiased, yes. But uh, it is, I can hit this ball really hard. Um, I can pass this ball with accuracy, but not being too easy, you know. I mean, it's still, it's still, it's in between the Spalding and the Mikasa. Um with with that aspect, so and I just uh, yeah, I just think if you're really really good with the the Wilson, it's you're it doesn't mean you're going to be really good with the Mikasa if you don't take the time. Um, and there's no way a trial should be held without using that ball that they're they've been using. And the Spalding is completely different than all three, and it should shouldn't be being used. 
<laughs> Don't fade off on that. Say it with uh, conviction, I'm Jay. Sure. <laughs> Wilson, yes. <laughs> yes, agreed. And then sadly, I do think that the Mikasa's second, even though it's harder to play with. I'd rather play with that than the Sheldon. I'm, I'm with you on some of those balls should not be used, like the indoor Tachikara. Throw it in the trash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, Jen, this weekend I was able to tell you the story about Kevin's email to me during London when he gave you a high five. Damn, spell correct. Came across as a high fiver. <laughs> um, we're looking at making T-shirts that say high fiver. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. It uh, it was a special thing for Kevin. He was very proud that he gave you a high five, but he tried to be cool with his email, and it was just the high fiver sucked the cool right out of it. It, it was a. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know when you're trying to be cool, it never works, right? It just uh, has to come out organically. You can't try. So much of a almost as much of a disaster as you actually not having any clue who the guy went by <laughs> your semifinal. Where, where were you sitting? I wasn't. You were walking out of the tunnel. I've been outside talking to Brad because I was coming in right after your match. We were hustling over. Yes, I I remember now. Got it. And I gave you a high five as we went by, and I just kind of kept on blowing by. You were going to your people or whatever, and I, I thought about it as I went by, and Jeremy actually put it on there. Did she have any clue it was you? I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I do now. I still remember now, but then, no. I was too, too amped to out to my family and friends. Oh yeah. Did not expect to uh, to stop and have a little conversation with you there. No, that was uh, that was a special moment for you guys. The the excitement and the electricity uh, surrounding your whole group because I was kind of standing outside talking to Brad and stuff, and the whole all the family members were there before you got there uh, was awesome. What was that like for you to to win that match and know okay we're gonna stand on the on the medal stand at this Olympic Games? Oh, I. <laughs> You know, going into that third game, it was like, all right, this is this is our chance right here. Let's do this. It, and we, they had gotten so many breaks against us in the last nine times they'd beaten us. New net tape aces, you know, just ridiculous things that you're like, it's our turn. That's not happening again. Like, things are going to go our way. So I really, really, really felt that that was our third game. And as the last point goes down, I think I swore off hands as she pulled. As for like sinking to the ground and just holy crap! Like we have an Olympic medal. Like this is actually not before, you know, obviously. But the the intense feelings in that one swing, and then to see April and just to tackle her. We we've never done that. I mean, we, never. We won world championships and we you know jumped on each other, but it was never like that. And her just, you know, in tears, and both of us just couldn't believe it. And, oh, gosh, it was it's one of the best moments of my life. So I I, I was much happier after that game than the, the gold medal game, that's for sure. That feeling I will last me for, for a long time. Jen Kessie is an Olympic silver medalist, has been a mainstay on the world of beach volleyball for a very long time, and we really appreciate you spending a little bit of time on your vacation with us here on NetLive. Have a great time in Maine, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Jen. All right. Thanks, guys. Maybe see you in Vegas. All right. Jeremy will be there. All right. See you, guys. All right. See you, Jen Kessie. Bye. That was good stuff from Jen. Good stuff. We didn't ask her if she likes Mohawks. That was so so last year, so last time we talked to her. 
seriously, my favorite part about this weekend in Santa Barbara was telling Jen the story about your email and then her saying, yeah, I had no clue who that was. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I absolutely love it. really it. got me through the weekend. Yeah, it was, it was not about me at that point. And that's the thing you have to learn as – I think you learn it as a, an elder athlete, or you should as an elder athlete. But certainly as a broadcaster, I approach my job as I am auxiliary to what's happening. Of course. I am presenting what is happening. You're not supposed to be looking at me. And, and it, was, it was a moment where I happened to be going down the hall. I saw her. It, it was literally underneath the stands. Running to stand is a pretty narrow entryway, and I was just walking up there, and I happened to see her. I gave her – there was no way in hell I was stopping. No way to, to try and explain anything, nothing. I mean, she's there with Jeff and no, you just parents. No, you give the high five and keep it rolling. Keep on moving like it didn't even happen. Look, when the players – when I, I know 90% of the beach players in Santa Barbara, and when they're walking around the venue outside of a court, if I don't say something to them, they won't necessarily say something to me because they're, there's, they're so tunnel vision. Because everybody's looking at them. They're just trying to get to the player's Yeah, time. and I totally, like, I, and so, and then when I say hi, they're like, oh, you know, like, they, then they see me. Yeah. But they, they could bump into you and not necessarily see you. Right. But she has no clue who you are. Well, I guess my chance of getting the rose is pretty low. It, it was low to begin with. I got to get a bright get a blue Mohawk. G-Shock watch. That's what I need to get. You're jealous of my and watch, some, aren't you? And some gnarly tats. It was a birthday gift to myself. I'm going to get all tatted up. <laughs> I'm going to change my image a little bit, but I'm going to get all tatted up. Just so you know, Jay Hasek wrote on the uh, message board that uh, you've been banned from Vegas for fear of sucking the cool out of the town. Oh, <laughs> God. You guys are killing me today. <laughs> it's the Net Live on a Monday. We'll be right back. Albert Hanneman up next. You want to know about the NVL. Now's your chance. Jeremy, Kevin, just a moment. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag.
played this song a hundred times, but I have no idea who it is. That's right, Texas Troll. I love that you get crushed on the message board. Yeah, keep it up on the message board. But see, that's what we need. People, keep it real, keyboard warriors. I love it. Most of these people don't realize that they would actually like you in person. But on the show, we need to have a villain, and you're that villain. That's okay. I like a black hat. I've got a black hat on. Rockstar, right? Yeah, villain. For sure. For the Vala hat, it'd be villain, too. It's also black. True that. The Net Live on a Monday, Kevin and Jeremy holding it down. Reed Pretty is MIA. I don't, I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's been sent to Turkey yet or he's just surfing because the surf has been up in Huntington Beach. Doesn't get cell reception at the pier. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's happening with him. Chris McGee will be rejoining the show as soon as he conquers the world of Time Warner. But we appreciate you tuning in to talk about volleyball each week. College Volleyball Weekly coming up here shortly. And Albert Hanneman coming up right now. You saw this guy on tour for about 36 years. He played until he could find something better, and he thought, well, I've played a while. Maybe it's time I run the tournament. So two years ago, he started the NVL, the National Volleyball League, and seized the opportunity, the open space that was there in beach volleyball. He has a big event coming up in Vegas this weekend. Please welcome to the Net Live once again, Albert Hanneman. Albie, are you there? I am. Hey, boys. Welcome back in. And, uh, Albie, year two of NVL. Tell me about what you're better at in year two. Well, good question. We are actually, I'm getting a lot more sleep, Barney. Uh, last year was pretty tough, you know, every day chasing our tails, trying to make sure we were doing everything right, getting events done, you know, there's so much to learn. Um, this year has been great because we're ahead of the game. We have our schedule ready for 2013, uh, all the momentum of the Olympics, uh, you know, there's a lot of of things that we had to learn and put our team in place, and we were able to do that. Um, so it's exciting. I mean, I'm glad to see volleyball Beach volleyball doing so well with the AVP and Cuervo and us, and the players have a lot of options and events to play in, and things look like they're going pretty well right now. What has been your best event to date for 2012? Well, Preakness was unbelievable. I mean, we had, you know, 110,000 college kids running around and dropped our center court right in the center there of the the, uh, infield, had Maroon 5 playing next to us, and Jen and April and Todd and Phil, you know, it was the only domestic event they played in before the Olympics. So it was it was amazing, and sponsors loved it. Got to host, you know, everyone on the East Coast that was taking a serious look at the NBL. So that was nice to have that event there. And now looking to have a big one in, in Vegas this week. Vegas this week. I hear it's a King of the Beach type format, but there are a lot of players involved. Tell me about uh, how you came up with the formula. What? Well, when I played, it was one of my favorite tournaments. I mean, Vegas is, is tough to not want to be there in the first place. Fans loved it. Players loved it. Uh, it's it's interesting to try to find the best player in the world, you know, to, to let them battle to let them battle it out and see who's uh, able to play with different partners. And as you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of questions going on and who's going to play with with who next year. And you know, the way it's run is they have to play in in these different pools and the winner of the pools come out and at the finals, the two winners of each pool get to play in the finals and they can't play with their normal partner. So if, for example, if Phil, Phil Dahlhauser wins his pool and, um, you know, Jake Gibb wins the other pool, then Jakey can't play with Rosie and Todd can't play with Raji. So you'll see, 
you know, maybe you'll see, maybe Phil plays with, with Rosie, maybe he plays with Lucena, maybe Furby's in there. I don't know. It's it's interesting to see the only time of the year you can see these guys play with different players. Interesting. So how is pool play going to work? You play with your normal partner all the way through pool play and then just the finals as a KOB format? No, it's 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 uh it's all mixed up. Like your top eight seeds are are put in the pools on Friday. We, I, I should explain a little better. The top forty players. What what the King of the Beach used to do was we had the top twelve players were in. We wanted to let more players have the opportunity to play. So thirty two players, thirty two men and women are coming and playing on Thursday. So there's eight pools of four, and the winner of those pools will join the eight players that are automatically in on Friday to form four pools of four. So the top two players on each pool then will get into the Saturday. So there'll be two pools of four left in each gender. Then the winners of those pools go into the finals to play each other, the two single players, and then they pick their partners to play each other to see who wins. Interesting. Interesting. That sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of volleyball. It's uh, it's a event. Vegas is always one of my favorite events, the King of the Beach, for sure. So I'm glad that, uh, Albert, you're bringing that style back. Yeah, it's exciting to have these different marquee events that, you know, bring out a lot of fans. And, uh, you know, Vegas is amazing. I have a great partner out there with Bagatelle Beach and Tropicana. They're building two permanent courts uh, on their their um, pool area so that we can build leagues there. And uh, no one has two courts uh, at any facility out there. So we're pretty excited about that. And they're jacked on volleyball right now. You said your 2013 schedule is ready to go. When is that announcement uh, I think it's going to come beginning of October. Uh, we're just still, you know, as you know, there's a lot of other events that we have to work with USAV again to attempt to try to, uh, you know, keep these dates open, uh, let everyone, no one's going to run enough events that we can't work this out. And with no Olympics next year, there's a lot more real estate to be able to pick events around each other and give the players a lot more opportunities to play. You mentioned USAV, of course, the AVP the last two weeks, and Donald Sun, the new owner, running a couple of events there. At what point does this turn from competition? Can't we all get along? Can we craft a strategy to be together and find enough sponsorships and dates and facilities and everything else to the point where you're all in competition and someone's going to be dominating the world of beach volleyball and establish their brand, or in the case of Donald, reestablish his brand? Yeah, I, I actually drove out um, Saturday just to meet with Donald, and we had a great talk. Um, I loved what it looked like. The, the beer garden and the stadium court looked awesome. Uh, you know, it was definitely a, a footprint that I think uh, works. And, you know, we had a great talk of how does this work. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking to a lot of different sponsors, and there's still confusion, but they definitely are spending money. So we're, we're having some major conversations now, and, and you know, they – still ask, you know, what's going on with the other tours and is there a way that you guys can work together? And I think there is. I think we definitely, we had talked about it Saturday. Um, I talked to James at um, IMG and, and, you know, we spoke at his tournaments this year and we're trying to figure out a way to make it work. And I don't think it's a competition as much as, you know, how do we make that happen? And now the brands are kind of dictating more if they want to jump on board with a particular tour or if it would be smarter to try to combine uh, you know, have them put in more resources to help it really grow, and that's that's the conversations we're having now. So, um, you know, we're open we're open to it, and, and we're we're trying to be proactive. And like I said, I drove out there to meet with them, and we had a great conversation. And I think it's definitely um, you know what we're going to be talking about the next month is how do we make this happen. Is there any confusion for sponsors or sponsor fatigue when they're getting approached by three different tours? 
Absolutely. I mean, I just don't think it's a negative anymore. Like, it's so healthy, and the events are, are unique in themselves. You know, we all have our own challenges, and, uh, you know, but I do think that the sport is that it's at its all-time high. So, you know, you're getting real conversations with decision makers instead of, you know, trying to get them to just show up and take a look at what we're doing. I mean, beach volleyball, as you know, was so huge in the Olympics, and, uh, you know, everyone's doing a great job on their, their own tours and, and running events. So I think, you know, it's it's just going to be who wants to, to make that, that step and, and see if, how does it make sense. Um, you know, I have some ideas that I didn't have last year, and I didn't know if that would be uh, a reality, but I do think it, it definitely can happen now, and I think there will be some interesting uh, announcements coming in the next couple months. Well, I like to hear that uh, you're having good conversations with the other tours. I think that's best for beach volleyball in general. Um, Albert, you were in London, I saw, for the Olympics. How was that experience for you? It was my first Olympics, and I, I mean, it was amazing. I, I was really excited to go to all the events, and, uh, you know, it was just our, our girls dominated. I mean, I wish our guys would have done a little better, but, I mean, at least they, they held it down for us, and when they won their semis, everyone was so excited. Just it was almost like you know you were you were on the court with them, and I was so jacked to to be able to witness that. And uh, you know it was just it was just so much fun, and you know got to meet a lot of you know global brands, and you know it was a business slash uh, fun trip for me. I mean I'd never been to the Olympics, like I said. London London did an amazing job, and I can't wait to get to Brazil. People that you met in London when you were talking to them about the NVL, how was their reaction to that? You know, they they loved they loved everyone was talking about beach volleyball because they had spent so much energy and time in building that stadium, and so they all wanted to be there. So I went to the USA House a lot, and, and you know a lot of the sponsors were running around through there, and uh, it was just all about the athletes and how do they get involved, and they just have such a bigger picture, the global side of it. So you know, coming domestically, it, it opened the doors for them to have conversations about how do they get involved, you know, with the sport in general. And so that was, it was a good thing. Nice. Well, besides running the NVL, I also know that you do a uh, volleyball vacations, that you have a trip coming up here in November. Let's uh, tell, let people know about that, how they can uh, partake. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, it, it's one of the things I did my first year on tour. I, I hate to say the date when I first started in 1993, but, um, you know, I was lucky enough to get invited to go to these fantasy camp type events uh, around the world and then, you know, kind of took it over for myself. And now the NBL is involved. And uh, it's just a place where, you know, our tag is playing party with the pros. You can go and socialize and learn and, you know, get to play with your favorite players and just see that they're normal people. And it's, it's good for the pros, too, because they're going to be in a situation where the season's over, you know, you just get to relax. I have a decent DJ uh, coming who's always a fan favorite. He's got Jeremy Roche. So it's it just, you know, it's it's the thing that we all look forward to, to take a break right right in the beginning. It's November 3rd to the 10th, Turks and Caicos Islands. Um, you know, it's it's a blast. I absolutely love these trips. Got Jen and, Jen and April going, Patterson, Keenan, uh, Whitney Pavlik, Geisen, Kieran, um, Tons of people. It's going to be awesome. He played on the tour back in the day. One of the gnarliest things I'd ever seen him do. Albert, I think it was you, Albert. Albert served a sky ball. Didn't make it over the net. Kieran stepped under the net, passed it to himself back over the net, took a step back under the net, jumped up, and absolutely annihilated the ball. That dude was a physical specimen back in the day. Uh, he he still can hit a ball harder than anyone I've ever seen. I mean, he's Captain Caveman. He 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 saves his whole year up just to come and hang out and make sure all the fans have a great time. He's definitely the MVP every trip. 
Every single one, for sure. Awesome. You're listening to NetLive here on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to NVL owner and operator Albert Hanneman, also owner and operator of Volleyball Vacations. Albert, you have backing from Molly Menard, is my understanding. She's someone who's been integrally involved in your business. Are you guys in the black? And if not, are you guys headed the right direction? Yeah, we are. And, you know, it's it's great, uh, you know, to have a partner that's so uh, passionate about playing on the tour and also, you know, doing all she can in, in different resources, you know, being her brother, being a, a NASCAR driver and having, you know, the biggest home improvement stores in the Midwest. People are always looking for ways to, you know, for distribution and utilizing our pro athletes and, and you know, in retail uh, it's important. I mean, that's that's what we've learned mostly is that, you know, these guys want to have some kind of uh, tie-in to, you know, how do you you quantify sales. And, you know, it's not it's not like it used to be where you just spend money to market your brand and get your name out there. I mean, they want to see some, some actual numbers and, and how are you increasing their sales. And so we're able to do that uh, in other ways. And with the one group, with my friend that owns that, with all the celebrity restaurants, we're helping out, um, you know, being more creative and making sure that there's more value uh, to these sponsors and Molly has been awesome. You know, we're, we're doing fine. We're finally, you know, just, just, uh, able to make decisions that we're going to be okay for a couple of years instead of just groveling and, you know, trying to get sponsors to cover things. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a peaceful feeling, but, you know, we definitely have a lot of work out in front of us still. Like I said, with, with the other tours out there, you know, we want to find a way to work with them in some capacity so that, uh, you know, we can all utilize our strengths and, and, you know, really grow the sport. How are you guys providing an ROI for your sponsors and what unique approaches have you taken in the last couple of years that have started to really have an effect for sponsors? Well, and that, that's another good question. I mean, that's the answer that everyone looks for. I mean, you, you want to make sure that you're giving more than they ask for, and that's that's really how you're going to be successful with anything. And, you know, by being able to, you know, do the corporate events, to send athletes out to, to you know, any of their uh, you know, their, their, their biggest retailers to, um, you know, making sure that we're, we're building content that they can use for their own social media and their own marketing. And that's what we do really well is our, our content and our, our branding and marketing. So, you know, brands take a look at that. We're getting advertising agencies, you know, using us as a platform for their, uh, brands that they represent. So it's it's interesting how you it, things have really changed. I mean, you you have to come up with ways to to make it valuable for them. And you know, our athletes are amazing. I'm saying our athletes as pro beach volleyball athletes in general, where they're willing to do whatever it takes to keep the sport alive. And you know, and and it helps them in the back end because then they're getting more exposure and building their own brands. And uh, you know, then they they get sponsorship dollars out of it as well. So um, you know, it's it's really Barney making sure that you're giving these sponsors you know what they need and and not uh, you know, not telling them you're going to do things that you can't. I mean, you got to be honest with them, and, and they appreciate it, and you find a way to make it work. Albert, on the show recently, we've started talking about how much responsibility do the players have on their end to help market any whatever tour they're playing on, any just beach volleyball in general. What? Uh, how do you feel about them marketing themselves, and what kind of things should they be doing? Well, I think, you know, I said this last year, the fact that there were so many tours uh, and events for players to play in last year was a miracle, uh, and, you know, and now it's it's getting stronger and we're getting more momentum. But, um, you know, I, like I said, I think that for the most part, 
if they're if they're out there and they're they're pumping you know whatever tour they're playing on wherever they're at volleyball related or not I mean they have to build their brand so that people become familiar with them as as pro beach volleyball athletes and then that ties over to the tours being able to use them and wanting to use them because they're more proactive and uh, you know being able to market themselves and the tours that are out there trying to fight for them so uh, you know. It, it, I think they they just need to do Jeremy like old school. I mean, you get up and you do the early morning shows. You 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 go to you know the volleyball vacations. You go to anything you can you know to to help build the sport. And, and you know, there are some great ones out there. And I think everyone's starting to to, to see the leaders in it. And uh, you know it, it's refreshing to know that uh, you know we're we're able to call any of them and, and they're willing to do what it takes to to help this survive. I heard. That your oldest daughter Maya, who I actually know, has been dominating, <laughs> been dominating on lately. Maybe won three out of five of her beach events lately. Is that right? Yeah, I, I mean the kid, the kid is is amazing. She uh, she's only eleven, as you know. She's she's you know a student, loves school, loves volleyball, loves soccer, but she just kind of came into her own the last month and a half. And I get to coach her and and watch her play in these tournaments and yesterday she played in Huntington again and I don't know how she does it but she keeps pulling them out and won her third out of three she won three out of five tournaments she's got a whole nother year in this 12 and under division so she's you know the younger of the group out there and uh, it's just amazing to see her uh really know the game she's she's uh she's something does it bother you that she has more trophies than you it bothers me that she gets more press than me. That's kind of my fault, though, because I, I get her. I, I Facebook all the time about how all my kids are doing, and uh, you know she's getting in the papers. I was upset. Easy Reader one time uh, this year, we had a charity event with Dig for Kids, and we lost in the finals. And the whole thing was about Maya. I mean, I had a little blurb, and Maya had about three paragraphs and two of the three pictures in the in the, the newspaper. So, I, I guess I can get used to it, though, Jr. That is the natural progression of things. I think you need to get used to it, Albie. You got to fade to the background, <laughs> man. You're not. I got to have a tour that she can play on. You know, that's the that's the point. We want to make this thing last. I mean, our grassroots stuff is is going great. There's so many good promoters, you guys, out across the country that are doing amazing things, and um, you know, from like the Scott Vanderwerps and uh, you know, there's so many guys: Leon Fell, Charles Werner, Rob Long, Bob Armstrong. All these guys in the Midwest and uh, all over the place. They just really love the sport. They never ask for anything. They just want to work and you know, and, and just do it. You know, they don't they don't complain. They just I just really uh, I think those guys need to be recognized because they've really done a lot for the sport. And I'm I'm happy that we're all working together to to build it. Nice. Um, I just. Got a few text messages from people and on our message board about your event this weekend. Uh, VIP packages, there's tickets. Like, where do people go to get the tickets for the weekend? Yeah, thanks. Uh, go to the NBL.com, and there's the, the whole uh, uh, event information is on the site. Uh, we have an elevated stage. I'll just explain the event real quick. There's, it's a private pool area. It's like the new pool experience in Las Vegas, and so they have. Um, it's just beautiful, and, and they built this. They built this two permanent courts. There's an elevated stage area um, where you'll be Jr. Where you'll be spinning on the top there, and, and people can get elevated suite VIP passes. Um, you know, kids can come. I think during uh, during the day, uh, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Friday night. There's a swim party after the uh, last match at nine o'clock, so it turns into a, a full pool party, and then. Saturday night, um, the finals are at nine o'clock for the men and eight o'clock for the women. And then Sunday's a big uh, pool volleyball party where the pros are staying. 
playing with all the locals and just, you know, it's going to be a full day of, of just having a good time. Albert Hanneman Albi is the owner of the NVL, a man who played for many years and is being part of the future of beach volleyball. Albi, thanks again for joining us. And hey, one more thing. I know we talked about it before, but I want some action here. When is my NASCAR tryout coming through? I mean, I got to get through you, yeah. through Molly. I got to connect the dots, put me in a race car. Yeah, I think you call Molly directly on that, Barney, and, and then I'll let you guys work that out. All right, yeah, thanks for thanks for advocating. Are you cool enough to do that, though? I don't know. I'm hearing all these non-cool things. I thought you were a pretty cool guy, but I'm wondering. Uh, not man. only is he not cool enough, he's not short enough to get into a NASCAR. Uh, that's actually accurate. Forget the cool part. I just don't fit in race cars. It's unfortunate. <laughs> hey, good job in the Olympics, by the way, too. Hey, thanks, Alvin. Appreciate it. And appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. And all right, guys, it. appreciate your support. Good job out there. All right, see ya. Albert Hanson, owner of the NVL. Get out there and check out his website. What was it? NVL? NVL.com. Dot com. And you can get more information on the upcoming weekend's events in Vegas. They will have a Mohawked DJ on a stage up high where you can't even talk to him. Uh, Perfect. Get near him because Perfect. he's a little surly anyway, but he'll be there. We're going to take a quick 30 seconds right back with ABCA College Volleyball Weekly on the Net Live. Welcome back into the Net Live. We're pushing here. We've got to move on now quickly to the College Volleyball Weekly. You have our I favorite do, music? But it's thenvl.com. I I'm apologize. Sorry. That's my fault. Thenvl.com is where you can get all the information on Vegas this weekend. And, of course, 2013, Albert's an announcement coming in October. Exciting thing. It's good to hear that the NVL will, in fact, put on another year of great beach volleyball events. There's lots of great events going on all week in the fall, and it's always college volleyball for the women happening this time of year. In association with the AVCA, the Net Live is proud each week to present the College Volleyball Weekly, a recap of what was, and a look forward to what will be in the world of college volleyball. We have our usual correspondents for this year, Mike Sondheimer at UCLA, and Brandon Rosenthal calling in from back east, where we get lots of info on the ACC, the SEC, and maybe the ASAP. Well. Gentlemen, welcome and and one spot. UCLA moves up one and Southern Cal moves up two into that third spot. Penn State drops the fourth. Washington up fifth from seventh. A lot of movement going on in the early season. Like, is this kind of pair you expect from women's college ball? Well, with the balance out there, what you have to look at is this week Penn State, Florida State, Dayton, 
Michigan and Minnesota were all unbeaten, and they all had losses this week. Uh, Texas-Minnesota, two great matches in Austin. They split their matches. And UCLA beat Hawaii last night in four in a tough match in Hawaii. So it's a it's a lot of balance out there to be able to go, and that's really what you're looking for. And I think even in Brands part of the country, there's a ton of balance over in the, some of the smaller mid, mid-major conferences too. Rose, don't yeah, yeah, you know, one, one of the things that I wanted to mention was just uh, <clears throat> I've been talking about this for a couple of years that I thought more and more parity was going to be taking place, uh, but it just never really developed like I thought it would, and, and right now we're starting to see that parity, you know, all over the map, and it's it's... I think what you're going to see or what you see more of in college basketball, to be honest with you, teams are, are getting better and they're not as uh, afraid to play some of these bigger-name schools and, and going up against them and, and getting the job done. Uh, teams like uh, Western Kentucky, and by no means are they a small-name school. There's a program that uh, they're good. some – yeah, they've done some unbelievable work over the past couple of years, but you know, just this week, uh, you know, going and getting a win against Dayton, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm I w- I'll tell you what I would rather see, and I just saw the poll myself. I would rather see some of these teams be rewarded than some of these other teams that are, you know, two and three losses in a week, just barely hanging on to the top 25. Let's give them their pub that they're due. And if these teams that are barely hanging on into the top 25 really deserve to be there, they'll be there at the end of the year. I just think it's a shame that, you know, some of these schools are not getting the due that uh, is deserved. Brandon, you're trying to make your better at top schools in Kentucky or Kentucky. Does that become a factor for some Feel like competition. Kevin, I'm only catching about every other third word that you're saying. So same here. You've been cutting out. I think I know where you're going with this. uh, Talking about scheduling and uh, and and what's going to happen over the next couple years. You know, I think what's happening, especially with the RPI and just kind of uh, with the idea that uh, what the committee's looking for is. You know, bigger-name schools have to come and play some of these schools that are going to the tournament, the Western Kentuckys of the world, where they know if they win, obviously it's a great, you know, setup for the committee because, uh, you know, they beat a tournament team. You know, if they lose, it's not terrible because their RPI is good, and by the end of the year they know that uh, they're going to have the number of wins and things like that that go into it. So, you know, I think Pepperdine is is a great case. If you look at their scheduling this year, they've made a strong case of saying, hey, look, we're going to go out and play these matches. Um, you know, just last week, you know, Pepperdine was out to, uh, you know, they've been out to Dayton, and I know they're coming back out uh, this way this week. Uh, but I find it interesting that it's just catching on, or not maybe just catching on, but teams are really going out and scheduling tougher, you know, mid-majors. Pepperdine's coming back out this way to play Florida State, Ohio State, and Houston. Uh, they've they had a tough loss the other day to Cal, and they lost to Dayton. But again, they're going out and playing these teams. Mike, who some of these or Miami, State, Western Colorado, Europe. I think it really ranges the whole country. You're cutting out a little bit. I think as you asked about what these t- 
teams are. I think really that what's going to come down to it is a lot of conferences start this week, but the bigger conferences go next week. And I think the fact that some of the smaller conferences have beaten the bigger conferences just makes it much harder on the NCAA committee come Thanksgiving, November, when they have to pick the teams. But I think what you're looking at is that there's a lot of parity between certain conferences. The ACC and the SEC have a lot of similarities. The Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big 12, there's a lot of similarities in potentially those conferences. So it just kind of ranges you know, across the country, and whoever really establishes themselves in their conference, they're going to have a chance to get in. But as Brandon talks about, it may create some more at-larges where you're comparing a mid-major like basketball that should get in maybe over the fourth or fifth or sixth place team in a major conference because they beat them in non-conference. Brandon, what's with Illinois? Say that again. <laughs> Illinois. What's going on? You know, I don't know. I haven't I haven't talked to Kevin, but uh you know, I I think any time you go as far as they did and and lose some pieces to that, you know, I think it's really easy for people just to assume and and we're kind of going through the same situation, maybe not on a national scale, but you know, maybe a little bit more on a regional scale is for everybody to just think, okay, they have the bulk of their team back and and whatnot. It should all just kind of go back, you know, together again. And in reality, what it is is these teams have to figure out their identity and have to figure out ways to win. And and you know, I think there's a lot of emphasis in recruiting, putting on you know talent, how high you jump, and things like that. One of the things that we really look for is that desire and that ability to win, not only at the high school level, at the club level. I think there is some very strong uh, connections to that, especially when you get into the collegiate level, when there's a ton more pressure, there's so much more going on. At the end of the day, if you've got kids that know how to win, they're going to find a way that, you know, their skill might not be there, or the technical, you know, might not be there, but these kids find a way to win. And I think you're starting to see that, especially, you know, we haven't talked about this team, is a team like Louisville and yeah. uh, with Ann Cortez is, you know, Again, I, I think Ann will be the, one of the very first to tell you she's definitely not the most technical coach out there. Uh, but her desire and her ability to find kids uh, that know how to play her brand of volleyball, and, and when I'm talking about her brand is just all out, let's go for it. I don't care who you are. We're going to play you. If you want to play in the cinder lot out back, we'll play you there. Uh, and you know what? She's doing a fantastic job. They moved up, I think, uh, 12 spots this week. Yeah, the only loss is to Penn State, and they've been playing really, really well. Yeah, Louisville was a good victory this week. We gave you the top five. Nebraska, and Stanford, Hawaii, and round out top 10. BYU, the 15. Louisville, moving from 12 to 12. Some big moves up from two to nine, and Ohio big big moves them up to twenty six, and Northern Iowa twenty five way out. Give us what over to this. 
Well, I think the thing you have to look at is really UCLA. Last year, they played Hawaii. The Bruins flew back on a red eye. They got back in probably 6 o'clock this morning. And last year, they played Pepperdine and lost. They played Pepperdine on Wednesday. And then they have to go to Colorado State on Saturday. People remember last year, Colorado State at home is so tough. They beat Nebraska last year in Fort Collins. So I think UCLA has got the week. But looking ahead, the week after you're looking at Nebraska, Penn State, UCLA, SC, Cal, Stanford, and Pepperdine, BYU. So regardless of whatever Brandon's got this week, next week is going to be just the week in, in college volleyball. Yeah, you know, one of the teams that you mentioned earlier is Miami. Miami just opened up uh, ACC play at home. They beat Florida State, uh, you know, in right. four, which is a great, great win for them. Um, <clears throat> interesting that they open up conference to play uh, this past week, but then they go into another non-conference tournament. So I'll be interested to see because they go to Louisville, and they're going to play UNLV, Louisville, and MTSU. Uh, MTSU is struggling a little bit, but still, it'll be interesting to see if they can change gears. And, and you know, with the win over Florida State, I imagine that Miami cannot wait to get back into conference play uh, and really focus their efforts. So I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. And, and not only that, Miami's had, uh, in the past, had this uh, – kind of a feeling where they'll get some big wins and then they'll lose some matches that just don't make a whole lot of sense. So if they can keep this thing going, uh, you know, I'll be really interested to see where they'll end up. But there's a team, again, uh, that I think is going to be knocking on the door, uh, you know, in the top 25. Okay, Mike. It seems... Hearing from you. Thanks, Phil. It's great. Hopefully Thanks, next guys. week we'll be able to hear you. Thanks. Sorry about that. The audio guys, we control what's happening. Yeah, I mean, the same thing happened last week. Neither one of us can hear you because every other word gets cut out, just so I don't know what's going on. But for next week, try to work on that. Always a pleasure. Good luck for the week. And um, hopefully Jeremy will spin some great great tunes in Vegas. He will. And I'll next Wednesday. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, guys. Oregon, Oregon State's going to be good. I'll be up in uh, Oregon for that event. Corvallis, right? Sure. That's Oregon State. We're going to be at Oregon, though. Which is in, I was there last year for the Pac-12 football championship. In Eugene. Yes, exactly. Eugene, Oregon. So if you want to come on out and say hi, I'll be there. Yes, Brandon Rosenthal, the audio did suck. I agree. I, uh, we don't hear it on our end, but apparently something's happening with two callers. It's completely out of our hands. We haven't changed our setup, so I don't know what the heck's going on. Is it, is it the home court since you've been back from London? Yeah. Although it did happen to me the first week. We ah. thought it was you sabotaging us from London. Ah, see, I thought it was the kids, the kids here just causing havoc, but they're can, finally back in school. Can you recap the poll again? Recap the poll, yes, for those that uh, were unable to hear it now that we're back on without callers. Recap the poll. Nebraska 1, UCLA 2, Southern Cal 3, Penn State 4, Washington 5, Texas 6, Stanford, Hawaii, Oregon, Minnesota. Minnesota up 10 from 14. There's a fast mover. And Oregon up to 9 from 13. Good move there. So looking forward to talking to them next Wednesday. And you guys can look up the rest. It'll be on ABCA shortly. And Northern Iowa fell out of the top 25. So big thanks to the ABCA for providing that information. I drove by your school yesterday on my way home from Santa Barbara. Yeah, Pepperdine. Get a bunch of American flags out there. Do you know anything about that? That is their September 11th 
tribute. They do it every year. They put up uh, flags all over. I'm not sure of the number. Not sure There's the significance of the number. It's, yeah. it's a massive amount of flags. Saw a good picture of Lance Walker and Marv Dunphy. Lance Walker, a former Pepperdine volleyball player, professional player, and owner of Brahma Sports. Do a lot of volleyball apparel nowadays, team apparel, jerseys and such. Uh, they were out there installing the posts that the flags then get put on. It's a, a huge effort. I think that the school started doing it after 9-11 on yeah. the first anniversary, and it's become an annual thing. Good. I mean, it... it it's a respectful thing, and they it, they did a good job driving by. People were pulling to the side of the road, taking photos. It was I didn't have time to do that because I was exhausted and had to get home. It's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, for it's sure. a pretty cool deal. Hey, we'll be right back in just a second here on the Net Live. We'll wrap things up. Big thanks to AVCA. Big thanks to Volleyball Magazine, of course, Spire Institute for sponsoring this show and making sure that it gets on the air each week. We are back on a Monday program, assuming there's no holiday. The kids are back in school, so it's time to work. Net Live, right back. Welcome back in the Net Live on a Monday. Just wrapping it up. A couple of great guests, Albert Hanneman, Jen Kessie. Jen Kessie killed it, by the way, on her way to her vacation. 
She's already on vacation. She called us from vacation. From vacation. She that's took right. the red eye last She had night. arrived and on her way to Maine. Yep. Maine. Maine's got to be nice this time of year. I'm sure it's beautiful. Got to be really nice. The what? leaves could possibly be changing right now. No, the leaves aren't changing in September. It's Maine. A lot further north than you realize, buddy. Okay, maybe late September. What are we? Maybe. What's funny about the rest of the country is that we have such static weather. It it, it just tips over. As soon as that jet stream moves, done. Yeah. It would oh, happen in Illinois winter. all the time. I told people, I said, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's pretty nice in the summer. It's hot. And then in the winter, it's cold. But you have one week of spring and one week of fall that are really nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> about it. Yeah, it, it, it's so odd because we have such a uh, a constant stream of 70 and sunny. Although I looked at our weather for this week, it's going to be in the mid-80s here, which means it's in the upper 90s in downtown. That's hot. It's toasty. Yeah. It won't cool off here. People don't realize here, our hottest months, September and October, are hot months. Yeah. In November, think, it finally changes. I think looking at the weather this week, is supposed to get warmer. Oh, yeah. Get back into the 80s, right? Way hot. I will... Way hot. I will not be going inland. Well, way hot meaning thinking about where I like to spend my time. That's true. True that. It'll be toasting Vegas then, most likely. <laughs> Rosenthal. Stop it. Not change of colors. Yeah. Dude, it's a little early for your call on uh, on that. First of all, Rosenthal's in like some southern state. And he can't hear us. Yeah. And Maine's a little further north there, uh, Rosenthal. I, I grew up on the east coast. I know what I'm talking about. Listen, listen, y'all. Maine is pretty far north. Exactly. Jeez. He did want to know about some rapper. Lovey? Wale. Wale. He's a rapper from Washington, D.C. Okay. He, his first single was called Chillin' that had a Lady Gaga hook on it, which is pretty good. Okay. And then I felt like he kind of fell off a little bit. It was kind of like rapping about the same stuff. And then it's kind of making a little bit. I, I think I expect a little bit more from him to begin with because he came out with such... Uh, some some good publicity and things like that, and then it kind of fell off at that. How so does we'll the see. DJ world work? Like, how do you get big in the DJ? How do you become no, Samantha he's not Ronson? A rapper. Oh, he's a rapper. Oh, I mean, sorry, he's a rapper. Yeah, but you become Samantha Ronson because your brother's Mark Ronson. Who's Mark Ronson? He's a huge DJ in London. He did some of the music for the London Games. Okay. Don't worry, I don't expect you to know stuff like that. Stevie Wonder, yes. Mark Ronson. <laughs> I knew Blur earlier. That was actually not Blur. They just sampled they that sampled part. sampled Blur. Yep, you're Fine. out, Kevin. Fine. Um, so hopefully I answered Rosenthal's question about Wale, in my opinion. I don't know. He said something about like the song Ambition. I don't know what that means. Oh, I know what song he's talking about. Imagine Dragons put out six or eight more songs. They put out their full album. There was an EP before. Yeah. The full album came out. And actually funny because my cousin texted me this morning asking me if I've heard about that group. Nah, I tell him no. I got a new consultant, nope. buddy. No. Nope. Sorry. Actually, you're a new consultant. My wife, not me. I'm just a pass-through. Does your wife know I like her way better than you? It's okay. Okay. It's all right. Just during the show, outside the show, I'm a big fan of you. But on the show, I like to make fun of you. <laughs> hey, everybody's got to have their foil. Next week, we'll have more College Volleyball Weekly. We will get a check-in from Mr. Pretty and get an update on kind of what's going on with national team guys as they all head overseas, true of the women as well. And we also want to make sure that we send out a big congratulations to Kristen Richards and Tyler Hildebrandt who were married this past weekend, making them what may be the first couple of volleyball. She might be Kate Middleton. You think they're the first couple of volleyball? Why would you say that? They're two volleyball players that married each other. Uh, uh, there's another little couple named Casey Jennings and Carrie Walsh. Well, true. Brad Keenan and April Ross. True. 
Matt Furbringer. Enjoy Furbringer now? Yeah, you're stretching. She's not in volleyball? She's way in volleyball. She's way in volleyball. But two national team athletes? I got you with the other ones. So then I've... So that the, whoever you just said right now can't be the first couple. You're there. talking about royalty. Maybe maybe with, maybe they're now the Duke and Duchess of Huntington. Of Huntington Beach. Yeah. Okay. Does that work? Sure. Yeah? Yeah, I'll go with that. Because you have Carrie and, and Casey, the first family of Hermosa or Redondo, wherever they're living right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the royals are not – there's not just one. There's not the queen and the guy with the big ears. You know, not just Charles. So you're saying because it's the whole family is what you're saying? Yeah, part of the first family. They're they're the royal family of beach volleyball. They're part of the royal family. Okay, I see where you're going with it. Yeah, thanks for trying to shoot me down, though. I appreciate your efforts to thwart my comparison. Trying to make interesting radio, Kevin. Let's go back to (laughs) congratulations, Kristen Richards Yes. and Tyler Hildebrandt. You looked beautiful. The kiss, the backlit kiss was very nice at the sunset. That was pretty. And Stacey Sukura. Uh, and Jen Thomas were also there. I don't know who else was there. I'm sorry if I didn't name you. I know Robert Tarr was there. I saw a couple of pictures. Were you there? I was not there. <laughs> you were invited? I was on Facebook trolling and changing my Facebook profile picture in preparation to move everything to Twitter. Sean and Rachel. Yes. Mike and Patty Dodd. Way old. Angles. You don't know. They're too young in beach. You don't know people. You don't like beach anyways. <laughs> I know who Angle is. All right. Very good. Good times. Very good. It's a good show strong, today. Strong end of the show. Good show today, Kevin. Strong show. I'm not so sure about the ending between you and I. We can sit here and, and beat on each other. I mean, if Gita were here, we'd just pick on him. That would be more fun. True that. We'll endeavor to put together another great volleyball show for you next week here on this program. It will be 10 a.m. It will be Monday at least as of now. I will be at the Angel game tonight. If anyone wants to come say hi, you'll have to be in the club level to do so. But you can come by and say hi. Thanks to my partner, Scott Kennedy, from high school football for the hookups there. So I will be at Angels this evening and perhaps again on Thursday. We'll have to see. You're a busy man. I was going to give tickets to Geeter, but I figured the last thing he needed was another baseball game. (laughs) (laughs) He's all basketball and Kobe Bryant's BFF now. anyway. That's right. He's packing himself into Kobe's bag. Hey, we appreciate you being here. We hope you're getting it via iTunes, and we hope you can communicate with us during the week, either via Facebook or Twitter. Just search The Net Live and follow or like us. We appreciate all the fan interaction we can get in keeping the sport alive. There are good things happening both indoor and on the beach, and, of course, collegiately and in the grass and grassroots. There's all kinds of things happening with the sport of beach volleyball as summer winds to a close. See all those of you in Vegas who are going this weekend. I'll be there. Jeremy will be there. Go to thenvl.com and hook up your vacation there to Vegas this weekend. That's basically the last event, right? There's one more the following weekend. Cuervo is in Huntington Beach. That's true. I will be doing that one. That's in September. And that, that's it. That'll be it. So Cuervo is going to end the summer, what has been a very interesting summer in the world of beach volleyball. We will see you next week, Monday morning. Kevin, Jeremy, we're out. Have a good week. Of monsters and men! Of monsters and men! Ah, couldn't beat you quick enough. Hey. Hey. I'm a fight, rocking around this old and empty house. So hold my.
my dear. The stars creak, I should sleep, it's keeping me awake. It's the house telling you to close your eyes. Let me go and meet again soon. Now wait. 